Started my timer. 20 minutes. I'm going to do this in 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'll never happen. All right. First, first of all, I want to just, um, how many noticed coming in today that the church has been painted? Hey, okay, so there's a, a few things that really stress me, and one of them was getting this church painted. And uh, about three years ago, I started dropping hints. Every time I'd talk to somebody, oh, you know what, we need to paint the church. Nobody bit off on it. Chris bit off on it. Chris Silcott uh, took that on this year, and uh, we talked about it. I even had uh, lunch with uh, Joe before it started, and I was like, man, this is going to take a lot of attention to detail. We, uh, the church was built in 97, and then we, I don't remember, we painted the side, the south side, and then the entry area, and there were so many fights that everybody went home and left everything out to be cleaned up. No, it really wasn't. But the church, the rest of the building never got painted. I don't know if you saw the, what, the kids' area, that wall had never been painted, that wall over there. It is all painted. The trim has been painted. And I came up here several times because I, I knew this was going to be meticulous and take a lot of time. Uh, I came up several times. I said, hey, Joe, what do you need for me to help out? And he's like, David, we really need you to just go inside. And then I said, hey, I've got the whole week off. I'll be here up here to help. And Chris would say, you know what? We're not going to paint this week. And so... <laughs> Every time I went out of town, they came up and they painted as quick as they could. They even got this 45-foot boom that Chris said he loved, and the wind gusted, and they swung. But uh, it looks amazing. And it was about, uh, you said, 80 hours apiece, so 240 hours that it took them over the last three weeks. And I'm just telling you, it's amazing. It's amazing. And so just if you could... And I know all three of them hated Joe, Chris, and Dee. They, did, they taped off all the windows because they had to go back and paint the trim. And, I mean, like, they had a sharp edge. Like, they were cutting it the exact lengths and then putting it up there and taping it up just perfect. They wouldn't let me do a thing. I'm telling you. Every time I went out to help, I just, they, hey, Dave, will you go get Chick-fil-A for us? And so... <laughs> Um, that's just great. There's, uh, and there's so much, I mean, the, the first impressions team, there's so many people that are doing so much to make the church look good. If you're a visitor here today, I mean, there people go to great extremes to make it look nice when you come in that, that first impression, but it looks really great next week. Just want to put a plug in. I'm sorry, adding some announcements. Not really adding announcements. Just wanted to thank them. And next week's baptisms, I think, I think we're up to 10. Where's Mike at? 10. We've got a bunch. It's going to be a great day. Don't miss it. If you want to be baptized, talk to Mike. Write it on the communication card and uh, turn that in. And then just in uh, September, the day after Labor Day, we're going to start a, a fast, a prayer and fasting. Um, the 5th through the 8th, it's going to be kind of our end of the year uh, uh, prayer series where we prayed through the uh, summer and we're going to just pray and fast and we have specific things each day that we're going to hit and more information will come out on that but uh, I would just encourage you just to be thinking about that and there'll be more information on that so I'm seeing all these announcements because really I don't have a very long sermon and so I have to take up some time and this didn't go over as fast as I this didn't go as slow as I really thought it should so all right, so we're going to continue our series in Galatians. Today we'll be in Galatians 3, uh, 7 through 14. And uh, I'll be reading out of the ESV. It's the Bible I've had, so um, 
Today, I'll be reading those scriptures out. I've read this no less than 100 times, and I guarantee you I am going to mess this up. The way Paul writes and the way it's translated in the SV, just I jumble it. So we're going to read slow, and you follow up there so that when I miss something, you can tell me about it afterwards. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by the faith. But the law is not of faith, rather The one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to share the things you've put on my heart this week. And I just ask God that you would help me articulate things, Lord. I ask that you would speak through me, Lord. I ask that today, Lord, that uh, we grasp what it is to live by faith, to live in the security and the hope of what you did on the Christ, on the cross, Lord. I ask you to just help me today. Lord, I ask you to soften hearts today as we pray. I ask that um, as I speak, Lord, you would speak just into people's lives. Lord, that we would draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, um, yeah, this is a confusing scripture to me. And uh, I feel like right now, I feel like I have about five clouds of points that I want, but they're not organized at all. And I don't do well when things don't line up and are organized. And so, um, what I want to do first is I want to remind us where we're at. So we're coming back to Galatians. Uh, we've uh, started the series, then we had a series in Esther, which was fabulous. And then we're uh, stepped back into Galatians. Mike did a kind of a one-off last week and just talked about the Bible, which was so helpful. I mean, uh, just a really good sermon, uh, talking about the books of the Bible and how the Bible's laid out and sharing the Bible. And so... Today, Paul has written a letter to the Galatians. Paul planted this church, um, uh, was in the church. They're not sure how long he was a part of the church then. kind of was abruptly taken away from the church and probably uh, thrown in prison. I should know this. I should have researched this better. But he was uh, taken away, and he responds. He hears word of what the Galatians, Paul was... um, all of his letters, all the churches he planted, he always kept up with them. And he sent these letters out to remind people. To, when he would see them going off course, he would send out uh, correction. And he would um, try to get them back on course. You know, and he's, if we see this in um, Galatians 1, 6 through 10, he starts off, he says, uh, I am astonished that you so quickly that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. So th- Paul had preached the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. What Christ did on the cross 
was all we needed for our salvation. Others had came in to the church in Galatia and began to preach other things. And the big tension was circumcision. And so you see that written, Paul writing about that. But that was the big tension there was that everybody had to be circumcised to be a believer, to be um, in, in the body of Christ. And so Paul is saying, you were in, you, uh, so deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who troubled you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul was so confident of what Christ had done on the cross and preached that, that he said, even if I would come back and tell you something different, or if an angel would speak to you different, they're accursed. That's pretty powerful. That's a, it's quite a statement. And then, um, but it, even if, in verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again. He even repeats it. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel, gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For now, for I am now seeking for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what is grace? I kind of talked about it. It's what Christ did on the cross. What is our path to heaven? What Christ did on the cross. His death and resurrection on the cross. If you don't take anything away, and I'll probably repeat this several times today, if you don't take anything away from to, today, is it what Christ did on the cross is enough for your salvation. His death, being falsely accused, hung on a cross, even says that cursed is a man that is hung on a cross. He took on our curse, died on the cross, and was rose again. That is our salvation. That is why we... Um, we're saved, we're added, we're baptized as, as public evidence of what God has done on, in us. And that's it. That's the truth. I could end right there and just say, go home with that. That, I'm not going to. But that is it. We are saved by the grace of God. Never should anyone tell you any differently. There isn't anything you can do. There isn't anything that uh, you can accomplish. You're not smart enough to make it to heaven. You're not good enough. There is none of that. There isn't anything you can accomplish to make your way to heaven. It's by what Christ did on the cross. To him is all the glory. It is not by anything that we do. Think about that. You live out your whole life. It is nothing that you do that is going to get you to heaven but surrendering your life to Christ and accepting the fact that he died on the cross for you. That's the thing we do to achieve eternal life. In verse 7, let's jump back to uh, verse 7 through 9. I want to read those again. Know then that those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we, by being saved, are people of faith. 
We did not witness what God did on the cross. We did not stand, stand there and see him crucified, hung on the cross, and raised from the dead. We've read about it. We've, we did not see it. How, he even says, how blessed are those? He tells Thomas, how blessed are those who did not see the holes in my hand and the holes in my feet, but know by faith. So we already have a faith. God has put a faith in us. If you are a Christian today, you know Jesus Christ. God has put a mustard seed of faith in you because there's no other way to believe that. There's no other way for you to understand that. What is the blessing of Abraham? So then we're a blessed people. <clears throat> if we look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3, a lot of scripture, sorry. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the same blessing that he promised Abraham that we have walked in by becoming Christians. So do you believe that you're a blessed? Do you believe you are blessed? No matter where your situation, no matter where you're at in life, do you believe you are blessed? Sometimes that's a tough thing for me to believe. And I have to be reminded, no, God, you said I am a blessing. Why am I blessed? So that I can be a blessing to others. It wasn't for me. It wasn't just for me, but it is that I can be a blessing to others. In the ESV, in the study Bible, it says this blessing is, um, he says um, in the footmarks, it's written out, God's invitation to Abraham challenges him to abandon the normal sources of personal identity and security, his family and his country. To obey, Abraham must trust God implicitly. All human support is largely removed. The promised outcomes are conditional on the Abram, Abram's obedience. Okay, let me read that again. God's invitation to Abraham challenges him. So let's change this a bit. God's invitation to us challenges us to abandon the normal services of personal identity and security, our family and our country. To obey Christ, I must trust God implicitly. All human support is largely removed. The promise of this outcome are conditional on my obedience. This, that was the promise that God gave to Abram. He said that you were going to be, but it required, it was a, a step of faith that Abraham left his family and went to a promised land that God had show, was showing him. And so what did, it, and this is, this is where it gets difficult. It challenges us to abandon the normal sources of personal identity and security. For some of us, it means to abandon our family. For some of us, it's a call to go to a totally different country. Even if you don't go to another country, it's to live a different life. It's to live outside of what culture would tell you to live. 
God's invitation to us to surrender our lives to him, to put God before anything else that we would desire, to find our security in Christ. It's a call to give up earthly desires. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, just um, Paul talks about, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strive, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are the things that we give up. These are the things that we begin to walk away from as we put our eyes on God, as we surrender our lives to God with the hope and the faith of what he is doing in our life. The promises of God will fulfill your life far, the promises that God will fulfill in your life will far outweigh the things that we give up. And I think this is where, what he's telling the Galatians. This is where he's talking about even t- talking about um, in verses 7 through 9, this is the blessing that you're walking in. This is the blessing that I have for you. This is what I've called you to. This is why I've softened your heart. This is why I've introduced myself to you. This is why you are hearing my I've opened your ears. I've opened your eyes to what God is doing. It's because he wants to bless you that you're a blessing to others. In verses 10 through 14, as we go there, I'm not going to read all of these. I'm just he's t- He goes to the law. He says, um, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by the law, the book of the law. And what he's talking about here is in Deuteronomy and um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. You know, if you read, uh, if you start the Old Testament, this is where, man, Genesis, Exodus, you're going, you're going so good. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you hit, and it slows down. You numbers, you hit, and it's just like, oh, my. And then Deuteronomy, you hit, and oh. But what I, when I'm reading the Old Testament, and I read uh, through those chapters, I begin to look at the things that God is doing. Why is this in the Bible? Why are all these laws and these numbers, the, the numbers, and it's the importance that God put on his people? the same importance that he puts on us. We can so easily uh, feel like we are, um, we're overlooked. That it's, it's the whole church, it's not David Schultz. It's the whole church. He's not talking to me specifically, and that's wrong. God chose you. God handpicked you. God is the one that opened your eyes and your ears to the things that he had. God called them out as he wrote the, the laws that he wrote in the Old Testament, the, um, the things that he was, is the first time this group of people had done society together. They had done community together. And when you read them, some of them you're like, oh, well that especially now, you look, man, that makes sense. I understand why they would have to do these things. And I'm not going to go through any of them, but just as you read those, you begin to think, this makes sense. This is how we do life together. This is how we do community. They had come out of uh, Exodus. They had been out uh, from Egypt as slaves. And so this is the first time they did community. And there was over a million people. And so 
God had to, gave him order. How much did he love him? He didn't just set them out to do their own thing, to try to figure things out on, on their own, but he showed him his love. Even Moses, you know, you read about Moses going up and getting the Ten Commandments. First time he goes up there and he's gone, and within the time he gets back, well, they've abandoned the faith. They've, they've put idols, they've made golden images, and they're worshiping them and doing other things. And Moses still goes up and petitions for him. God, don't destroy him. Don't destroy this nation. This is your people. He reminds him of the promises. This is your blessed people. We fit in to that blessed people. How often do we step away from the things that God has shown us and we do our own thing? We begin to do our, our own, um, try to do things our own way instead of waiting on God. But he still shows us grace. Same way with today with the Bible. He's given us the Bible to follow. We are called to be a set apart, a people who handles things differently than the society. Um, the culture back then, he set apart the Israelites, the Jews. He set them apart to do life differently than what they were accustomed to. They were going to be known as God's people by the way they reacted to the things, by the way they handled each other, by the way they did things. That was his goal. That was his intention on those, and that's his love he showed for them. That he continued to show them how to live life. He's done the same thing for us with the Bible today, with discipleship, with community. He says, here, this is, this is how you do things. You're not intended to do this alone. I haven't just abandoned you and you try to figure out this Christian walk, that you try to figure out the things I want for you. No, he's brought us into a community. He's brought us into a church. He's brought us into discipleship. He's given us our, our, the word. It's not a set of bu a bunch of rules, but it's saying, hey, this is life. The culture is going to tell you differently. The world is going to tell you differently, but I'm telling you, this is life. The way he says that Jesus tells his disciples, he will, he will know they will know you by the way you act, by the way you are, by the way you treat one another. In Galatians uh, 5.22, he says, he calls us to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's not the way the world reacts to things. But as we, as Christians, are called into this life, it's the way we react. Not because it's going to earn our way to heaven, but it's because of what he's done in us. It's because of what he did on the cross, because of what he continues to do in us. To live by faith, you have to believe the gospel. Everything that needed to be done for us to go to heaven was done by Christ on the cross. Having that faith and walking that out, being able to say no to the things that the world will tell you are life, the things that are temporary joy, temporary um, temporarily fun is, leads to death. And this is what, he, because he loves us so much, this is what he tells us. He reminds us of this. Paul, as, it, as Paul is correcting the Galatians, I think this is important to us today because we can get so caught up so easily in the things that 
the world to tell us is important. And the things that the world will continue to feed into our ears, the things we'll see is this is where you're going to find your happiness. This is where you're going to find joy. This is where you're going to find peace. And it falls short of what God has done. What Christ has done. Well, so easily we can be distracted from the things that Christ has done to the things that we can do or we can accomplish. My life, I mean, I know for me, something that um, as a kid we struggled with probably legalism. It was very evident in the 80s. And it's like, you didn't do this or this would happen. If you, um, you know, if you go to a dance, it's sinful. There's, you're going to go to hell. And that's, that's so untrue. But it was kind of the way of uh, a form of control, a form of um, keeping people in line. It was a way for parents to actually help control their kids and like, oh, I'm going to make sure my kid ends up being a good kid. I'm going to tell you right now, with a parent of two boys and a girl, um, the more control you try to have, the actually the less control you have. But when you pray, when you spend time praying and you believe God is going to do a work in them because they are going to be blessed. God is going to touch them. When God touches their heart, it doesn't matter the things that you teach them, the things that you try to force them to do, but when God touches their heart, they're there's no box. It's unending what they can do, what God will accomplish through them, and that's his desire. I think today, like, this is a, can be a warning to us. Um, even relating something to the law, besides uh, talking about legalism, um, I think America would struggle more with being complacent. The Christians in America would, there would be the more, the struggle is actually taking uh, the gift of grace a little too far and becoming complacent. And I think, I think that is something that we can struggle with. Jesus has done it all. Grace is very important to grab a hold of. but he desires that we are a blessing to others. And in being a blessing to others, because of what he has done, I think we, we need to walk in that. We have to um, be adamant. Uh, actually, probably a better word is to be convicted of sharing the gospel. We have a lot of times... I think we get secure in our hope in Christ that we forget what it's like to be hopeless, to be in the world and be hopeless. And so we can begin, at least for my life, I can begin to be comfortable. And you know what? I'm not going to interrupt anybody else's life because I'm comfortable. I have a hope. I, I know my identity and I know where I'm going if something happens to me. But to have an understanding of what that's like not to have that hope. And to begin to have a, a compassion for the lost. We, um, 
might have shared this story before. Earlier this year, a, a lady died. Uh, her daughter played with um, Jocelyn, and she was about 40 years old. And I remember after getting the word of her dying, I was here at church, and a text was sent out, and I called Joel. I was like, oh, my gosh, is this true? Uh, Brandy and Chad, they came to church here. They came to church for a long time. And um, it was just hard to believe that she had passed away. And uh, I remember walking out in the, just in the foyer area and praying and thinking, man. And there wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't convicted as like I had sinned, but man, I, I should have pushed more. I should have pushed more. Now, she was baptized here. I believe she was a Christian. Um, but they had, they weren't active in church. They hadn't been in church for a while. COVID kind of, uh, interrupted that, their routine. And I remember we would talk to her, but I just thought, God, I've got to have a compassion for the lost. I've got to have an understanding of what it is when people look at life and they feel hopeless. I don't have that. God, give that to me. Give me a passion for those that are lost, that I am not hesitant in sharing the gospel, that I look for opportunities to intersect the gospel because what you did is so wonderful. What you did, there's nothing else that we can do. We should be so excited to share the gospel. But I allow fears, I allow things in in the world, my, uh, my image, I worry about how people perceive me, but I'm not going to say the right words. I'm not going to have the right answers for what people have when they come back at me or when they question my faith. No, I have no question about my faith. Jesus died on the cross. I'm going to live eternity in heaven. I may screw up sharing the gospel with somebody. I may screw up answering a question about the Bible, but I know this fact, and that is our hope. That's our hope. That is what we can be assured of. And to not have that hope is devastating. That is devastating. To not know that if this is your last second and you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, that's hopeless. If you have a question about where will I spend my eternity, that's hopelessness. There should be no question about it. I'm just encouraging that. This is what Paul is telling us. It doesn't matter the things you've done. Even if you're a good person, I've been a good person all my life. I've, I've obeyed all the rules that I think I can. It doesn't matter. If you don't know, if you can't say confidently because of what Christ did on the cross, I am going to spend eternity with him in heaven. Because of what Christ did on the cross, I now have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I going to be perfect? Am I going to do everything right? Am I... No way. I'm not. I can tell you right now. Close, but I'm not. (laughs) But because what Christ did on the cross, I will spend eternity with him. Man, that's hope, you guys. That's hope. In a world of hopelessness, a world that looks at politics, looks at the stock market, that looks at retirement, that looks at their careers, this is hope. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and I will spend eternity with him in heaven. What I happens to me on this earth is but a second, is but a blink of an eye. God has blessed me 
that I can bless others. I need to shout that from the mountaintops. You know, we went to Salt Lake City this week. I spent three days there. Um, went to Park, Park City, Utah. It's the home of the Olympics. They're shooting for the Olympics in 2034. They had it in 2002. There was a ski range, and those that hope to be Olympians were practicing every day. They go down there. I watched them. We watched for probably an hour before we headed down the bobsled. That's another story for another day. Um, and I watched these guys go down, and they go down, and they flip up, and then they do all these tricks with their skis and then into the water. I'm just like, man, this is amazing. It's amazing. They practice and work every day. Their diets are watched. They work. They videotape. A guy's down there videotaping their every move. And then they go back and they look over it. They did it. The whole hour is there. There's probably 15 people, maybe 20 people that were doing this for the hope that they'll be in the Olympics. If we, it doesn't matter if we work that hard to try to make it to heaven. We're not going to do it. It's because what Christ did on the cross that we make it to heaven. It's because of what he does in our hearts. So how... I've got to figure up a wrap up here. So how do we... What are the things that we can do to keep ourselves with our eyes on Christ and not allowing culture to overwhelm us? Because it says the enemy, even Adam and Eve knew God. They were in the garden with God. They knew God, yet they still sinned. They still did the one thing God had asked them not to. If that can happen when God is right there, how much more vulnerable can we be? Now, we don't live in fear. I'm not saying we live in fear, but we live cautiously. We guard ourselves. We, we spend time in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 through 9 says, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication to the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. We want to be able to know the voice of God over everything else. We want to be able to hear the things he is telling us and be obedient to the things he says. It's by our obedience to the things that he has done that we are going to be a blessing to others. So how do we respond to this? So if, like I said, I felt like I had five clouds and I tried to get them all together. I probably, here's how we respond today, I think. Number one thing is that if, if the gospel is foreign to you, if you haven't heard that gospel, I would encourage you to respond. If you do not know that today, if today was the last day of your life, that you wouldn't spend eternity with Christ, I would respond to prayer. We'll have prayer teams up here. I would encourage you to respond. And then next week we can baptize you. Or it's warm, we can baptize you today. I'm telling you, and we'll do that. That'll be great. Um, what Jesus did on the cross is enough for us. 
I also feel that people can have an anxiety or an emptiness today and feeling like you're actually listening to the lies of the enemy that I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I can't do enough. And that's a lie. But we so easily believe that. I feel like um, that's another response. Just when you hear about people and, and anxiety, man, my personal opinion, anxiety is a demonic influence on our society right now. And depression. Anxiety and depression. Man, I was at the gym the other day and, and just uh, talking to someone who was getting ready to start a job and, and she goes, just my whole life is anxiety. I, I'm, just, uh, I, I'm just full of anxiety and I was just like, man. That, and you hear that over and over. You hear kids say that. I have so much anxiety that they're medicated. Man, I think that's a demonic lie that we listen to. And I would just encourage you that if you wrestle with that today, I believe God wants to set people free in that. And then and healings and surrendering to God. I just feel like today God wants uh, to heal people. I feel like people have, um, I feel like there's those here today that have heard the gospel. They know the gospel. They believe it, but it just, they, ha- they are living an empty Christian life. And I would just encourage you to respond. Just prepare that God will fill you. The Holy Spirit will fill you and just change your life. The band wants to come up. God has a desire to bless us today. He has a desire to just pour out his spirit, and I believe he wants to do that today. And I just would encourage you guys to respond just as we worship. Just even some of the songs. Think of these songs we sing. Um, I heard heard them practicing. So more of you, less of me. More of you, God, in my life. Surrendering to him, allowing him. God is after our hearts. He's not after our actions. He's after our hearts. And all the Levitical laws, all the laws that Paul talks about, and he's teaching to the Galatians, is it's pointing the pointing our lives, our hearts to God and putting God in the center of our lives and our hearts. So let's stand. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Dear Lord, I just thank you for today and I thank you for what you're doing, God. I just ask you to continue to pour out your spirit. Continue to just show yourself, Lord, in your greatness. Thank you for the love that you have for us. God, thank you for blessing us. Lord, we are such a blessed people. I ask you just to continue to help us to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.